the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I'm so glad you could be here with me this afternoon. Well, it is December, what is it, the 4th, December 4th, that Christmas is right around the corner. I hope you're getting everything ready to go. I hope you're going to be able to spend time with family and friends and to enjoy the season. I I know uh, some folks out there don't like to celebrate Christmas But I would like you to consider in your mind the idea that this is a time of year when people's minds and hearts are are thinking, or at least influenced a little bit, by the things of Christ. True, Jesus was not born on December 25th. And yeah, it would be great if folks would think about Jesus all the time. But they are doing it now. At least some. And let's encourage that, and let's use this opportunity as the Lord gives us these opportunities. Let us redeem the time to be light and to be salt. Well, this afternoon, I'm uh, going to take a look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let me read this verse for you first. It says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I get asked a lot about the mechanical instrument, uh, mostly from folks who are not part of the North Valley Church of Christ, or I shouldn't say part of, I should say they don't attend here. When you first thing you may notice when you walk into our building is we don't have a band or a piano or anything like up there. If you're a part of our worship service, you'll notice that during the singing, it's a cappella, which means we're singing with our voice only. There's no mechanical accompaniment in our singing. And that's because we interpret this passage here in Colossians 3.16, Ephesians 5.19, and there's other places we can go in the Bible to say that We are not authorized to use the instrument in the worship service. Some people take issue with this. Uh, Some people say that that's true, we don't use the instrument, and anybody who does is not in a right relationship with God. Now, I don't feel like I have the authority to say somebody loses their salvation because they use the instrument during the worship service. For me... Personally, I would say, okay, that's a a maturity issue. I'm not trying to put them down, but it's as far as I see what the Bible says. But I cannot say they don't have a relationship with God. In my mind, they're still my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't use the instrument. They may. I don't believe they should. 
I don't believe the Bible teaches that. Now, I am not going to have this program going into that. I do feel like I need to preface with this just because it is a, a issue out there. But I want us to look at a more positive aspect about singing. And I want to start with a story uh, from a, a newspaper where a man uh, once talked about a song that he played for the women's league in town. Uh, I won't say where this was at or anything like that. I don't want to embarrass the fella. But uh, now the women's league is usually made up of a lot of the older ladies, 55 and older. And the president of the league was giving a speech about uh, what the ladies planned to do for the community. And then she began to encourage all the members to gather up there with her on the stage. And this fella, recognizing the situation, what's going on, and he felt like, you know, it's this isn't going you know, as well as it probably could. He wants to try to help encourage these uh, women in their work. So there was a piano, and he began to play a little marching tune to help, you know, kind of pump up the spirit, right? And so he began to play uh, the, the tune to the children's chorus, The Lord's Army, you know, to keep in step with that. Now, in his mind, he was hearing these words, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery, you know that song? We all, I know that one. If you've been to vacation Bible school or anything like that, you, you would know that song. Now, unfortunately for everyone else, maybe they didn't go to VBS or Sunday school or whatever, but they were hearing the words to the original tune to that, and it goes like this. That uh, the old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. She ain't what she used to be. She ain't what she, Could you imagine hearing that? Oh, man. So, uh, when the surprised Women's League president asked this man, why were you playing that tune, and, and explained to him what they heard, he got so flustered, couldn't answer, he just exited stage right without a word, and just got out of Dodge, right? Well, music, singing, it, it, it brings things to mind, doesn't it? Whenever you go to a sports arena, to whether it's football or, or baseball or whatever it might be, and you're you're there, you're pumped up, and the school band begins to play the school song, and that gives you school spirit, right? Because it pumps you up, and you want to sing along. You get excited. That's what it's all about. That's why they have the bands there at the sports to pump up the fans, to pump up the players, because they recognize what this will do. Music often carries messages to our lives. Singing can do that. Singing can carry a message of love. For example, how many of you, when you were dating, had that one song that was your song? When a couple is in love, they'll often speak of a particular song as being our song because it triggers memories of the intimacy and the affection they shared from the beginning. It's like a memorial. Singing can also speak to us of depression. Country music is known for this. Many of these songs tell of lost loves, ruined relationships, lost homes, and a lost dog. And if you play a country song backwards, you know what happens? The guy gets his house back, he gets his wife back, gets his truck back, and he gets the dog back as well. That's right. Back in the 60s, we know that uh, songs written back then had that special uh, message of protesting. 
They protested the war. They protested against authority. They protested against anyone telling them what to do or what to think. And then there was music that communicated anger and rage and defiance, like heavy metal or rap. Now, no, I'm not saying that in general. I'm sure not all of it does that, but in general. Music communicates to us. And in fact, music's ability to communicate us is so powerful that even the military recognizes its importance. The Pentagon's School of Music, it takes them 15 months of instructions to produce a band leader. By contrast, the Air Force, it takes 13 months to train a jet pilot. It has the power to communicate, the power to inspire, the power to change. I know whenever I'm riding a, my car, driving my car down the road, I will play music. Typically, I like those that upbeat music, so you know, I'll admit I like that pop music. I want, I want something encouraging. I want something that's exciting, uh, that is energizing. I don't want to listen to anything depressing. I used to do that back in high school. I, I liked Simon and Garfunkel because I've always been, uh, I always liked classical type music, and they, they had a very classical style to them. But the words were so depressing. In fact, it even got me down. I had to stop listening to that kind of music because of, the, of that problem. Music is a powerful force. Whenever I'm uh, studying, I play the classical music. It helps my, my brain to calm down and get focused. Now here in Colossians chapter 3, God is telling us that we need to use the power of singing. He wants us to use music as a tool. Now I'm not saying musical instruments, but musical notes. We can use that in multiple ways. It encourages us, it strengthens us, and it helps us remember things. Uh, for our children here, we want them to learn the uh, the twelve apostles. And there is a little tune, uh, Jesus, you know that, that tune, "Jesus loves me, this I know." There's a tune about memorizing the apostle song. Jesus called them one by one: Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Next came Matthew, Thaddeus, and, and on and on and on. I, I honestly can't say the 12 apostles in the song. I, I have it memorized, but not. I just can't do it in song. Anyway, we use that as a, a way to teach our kids, and they, they learn it so quickly that way. If I try to sit there with my six-year-old say, all right, son, say these 12 names, it would take forever for me to get him to memorize. But if I give him a song to sing, well, he likes that, and he's all over it. God wants us to use that kind of tool. <clears throat> and music can change our attitudes. In the Old Testament, we're told that in the latter years of his reign, King Saul turned away from God. And so God left Saul, and an evil spirit moved in. The result was King Saul was driven nearly to the point of madness, and one of his counselors told him that he knew of a young man who singing might just help relieve his burden. That was how David came to sing in King Saul's courts. And we're told in 1 Samuel 16.23, David would take his harp and play it with his hands, and Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. That can change our attitudes. It has the power to make us melancholy or even moody. Now, 
singing not only changes me, it can also help give me the power to take control of my circumstances. Now, we don't ordinarily control our circumstances. Uh, life can get us down. People can be cruel. We can end up being imprisoned by circumstances. Uh, but we don't have to be. Acts chapter 16. We read that Paul and Silas were in the city of Philippi. They had been preaching and healing and casting out demons. Uh, uh, something about what they had, were doing was upsetting the authorities there. So the town magistrate had them beaten with rods, thrown into the inner part of the prison, and then placed in stocks. Now, think about that. If you were a prisoner there and you you you've been there for a while, so you've seen prisoners coming in and going, and they always come in maybe kicking and screaming, talking about how unjust this is, or sobbing, or just melancholy and being dragged in, and then be placed into the inner prison. That's the worst. Then be placed into stock. Oh, that's even worse. That's not fair. That's not right. Right? That's what we would say. And here is Paul and Silas, arrested, put into the inner prison, put in the stocks, and in Acts 16 tells us, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and everyone's chains were unfastened. What had happened to Paul and Silas wasn't right. If this type of thing had happened to us, we'd probably be filled with despair, frustration, or whatever. Conditions like these could have overwhelmed people like you and me. But Paul and Silas were not overwhelmed. They were not beaten down. They were not defeated. What had happened to them wasn't right, and yet they refused to be controlled by their by those uh, circumstances. They faced the unfairness of what they'd experienced and focused on God. They used singing and prayer as tools to escape the control of their captors. They may have been physically inside a prison, but they chose to be mentally in the presence of their Lord. Those who had mistreated them could chain their bodies, but they could not chain their souls. Jesus once uh, commented somewhere, you know, uh, don't fear those who can destroy the body, but fear him who can destroy both the body and the soul. These two men singing and praying, that gave them the power to rise above their circumstances. When you and I sing to God, when we surround ourselves with that kind of singing that glorifies God, we are actively putting ourselves into the presence of the Lord. But there's something even more powerful than this that can take place when we sing. It gives us a tool to teach. One of the most overlooked aspects of Paul and Silas's experience in prison was that as they were singing and praying, the prisoners were listening to them the text tells us. Now, I don't think that Paul and Silas intended to have others listen as they sang, but it would be a little hard to miss, right? Here are these two. They've been beaten mercilessly. They have been placed in the deepest, darkest, most forbidding corner of the prison. 
They've been put in the stocks, which were generally not designed for comfort. And as far as the other prisoners were concerned, these men would have been expected to howl in protest, curse in rage, suffer in silence. But these crazy two guys were singing praises to God. You'd have thought they were in a worship service, not a dungeon cell. But they weren't crazy. These men were so in love with Jesus that even in prison they sang his praises. And because they did this naturally, they literally taught by their singing. Their voices reached the cells of the other prisoners and the ears of the jailer who had locked them into their cell. And this teaching was so strong that it helped when the ground shook beneath them, the floors of the prison that night, uh, 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 that night the jailer uh, came in to them and asked them, Sir, you know, well, you know, let me go back. So you remember that jailer came in. He saw that all the prison doors were open. He assumed all the prisoners had escaped. He was going to kill himself, right? Because if the prisoners get, uh, get away, the jailer, who, whoever's in charge, they receive the punishment of whatever the prisoners were going to have. That makes him stay on the job. So he's going to kill himself. And Paul scree- uh, 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 shouted out, No, no, don't harm yourself. We're all here, every one of us. Then he took Paul and Silas back to his home, tended to their wounds, heard the message, and he and his family were baptized into Christ. Man, music, singing is a powerful tool. It can change us. It can change our circumstances. It can change the lives of the people around us. You know why? Because it shows the attitude of the mind and heart that is within us. I am always humming and singing. I love singing. I like the words of hymns. It encourages me. It strengthens me. It helps me to memorize parts of the Bible. But there are people who don't like to sing. They've come to believe that their singing is an embarrassment. One expert noted that approximately 40% of Christians have come to believe that singing should be left to those who can sing. They don't like to sing out loud, and they'd prefer to leave that to those who can carry a tune. The question we should ask ourselves is not whether we can sing, but whether we have a song to sing. Because if we truly love Jesus, our voices, no matter what we may think of them, are the sweetest musical instruments known to the courts of heaven. Back in the Old Testament, we know that they would offer up sacrifices to the Lord on the altar. Uh, uh, sacrifices like, you know, they would put an animal upon a, uh, 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 an altar and they would burn it. Have you ever smelled the burning, not, not cooking ribs on a, on a grill, but the actual burning with fire, hair, and flesh of an animal? It stinks. It does not smell good. And yet the Bible tells us that that, that goes up as a fragrant aroma to the Lord. Do you think it's literally a fragrant aroma? Like he's smelling the burnt skin and hair of the animal and thinking, oh man, I love that smell. That's not it. That's not what he's interested in. He's interested in the attitude of the worshiper and what that smell or what that sacrifice means. We are obeying him. We're doing what he told us to do. 
our singing is the same. Do you think God cares what your voice sounds like? If that's true, if it's all about how we sing out loud, what about those who are, uh, who, who are mute and can't talk and therefore can't sing? Well, maybe God, well, I guess they can never praise God, right? No. God knows the heart. That's what it's all about. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Within you. He's talking about the mind and the heart, your inner man. Let it richly dwell within you. How? With all wisdom. That's how you let it richly dwell within you teaching and admonishing one another because it's within you let it come out one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that stuff about the word of Christ singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God the heart is the instrument that's the instrument I know there's going to be people out there that argue and debate with me but when you really break it down when you really think about them what God is looking for don't you think that's what it is do you think he cares if we use mechanical instruments he cares about the heart, your attitude in worship. That's the fragrant aroma. That's what he wants to hear from you and me who can sing out loud, literally. And even from those who are mute and can't sing out loud, literally, they can sing from the heart. I've seen it. I've seen, though, they'll, they'll use ASL, American Sign Language, and they're singing from the heart. They don't need a mechanical instrument. They can't hear it anyway. But that's not what it's about. Leave that at home. And sing praises to the Lord. For his 27th anniversary program, Johnny Carson included a closing segment from one of his previous shows that he said had caught him off guard at the time, but which had actually moved him. The previous year, Oral Hershiser had led his team, the L.A. Dodgers, that's a baseball team for some of you, he led them to victory at the World Series. And Carson, Johnny Carson, had asked him what he did to calm his nerves between the innings. Now think about that. This guy, you know, he's at that age, he's at the World Series. He's got all those people in the stands watching him, people on TV watching him. Everybody's watching the pitcher. He's got a lot of pressure. He's got some of the best hitters in the world standing out there on the plate waiting for his ball to come. And every time he throws that ball, that pressure, that would be upon him. And so Johnny Carson asked, asked him, what did you do to calm your nerve between innings? And Hershiser responded that he sang songs. Sang songs? Really? Give me a sample. And the song that this acclaimed World Series pitcher clo uh, chose to sing that had such an impact on a basically unreligious man like Johnny Carson and had moved him so, so much that he selected that segment to close his anniversary special was a simple doxology, a song giving praise to God. That calmed his nerves. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, all ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Awesome. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul tells us that 
talking about the miracles that you could have all these miracles you you can have uh, the kind of miraculous faith as to move a mountain you can you can be able to speak in tongues and that's any language that anybody can understand you you can do all this stuff with the miracles but if you don't have love now what is love that's agape love that's intellectually choosing to do what's best for another individual. That is, even if you don't like the person, you can still agape love them. That's You choose to do it. It's an action you choose to do. If you don't have that kind of love, you are, he says in the text, a noisy gong. Have you ever heard a noisy gong? I have four kids. I know exactly what a noisy gong sounds like. It's out of tune. It has no beat, rhyme, or rhythm. It is annoying. All you want to do is make it stop. That's what you are if you don't have love. But if you have love, that means you've got a song to sing, right? So my charge for you, for myself, for all of us out there, for this holiday season, for Christmas, be a song and not a gong, right? Is a good way to remember that. Be a song and not a gong. Be, go out there and be a fragrant aroma to the Lord. Be a song that encourages people, gives them hope, and brings something we desperately need in our country today. Unity. People want the truth. The Word of God has it. It is a foundation that will not shake. It will not shift with the change of media, the change of presidents, the change of Congress, the change of the country, the change of whatever, God never changes. His word is true and is forever. And it is the power to change your life if you let it. Go out there this holiday season. Wish folks Merry Christmas. Encourage them to think about the Christ and be that light. Be that salt. Be that song. Thank you for spending your time with me. And remember to redeem the time and be a song. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it and i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flint with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com